When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. World class Jim Crockett promotions, big time wrestling, Mid South. Two dollar late fee presents Territory Marks with Paul London and Zach Schaefer. The show that celebrates matches from the glory days of professional wrestling, from one man who lives it and another man who loves it. I'm excited to be with you. It's me and oh no, that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll pick it up. It's sweet, sexy Z, and it's precious Paul. Precious P, back at you. That's right. Precious P, yes. Precious the Night Boys are back, back, ready to attack in the territories. Oh my gosh, it's uh, it's been a month since we last had our last episode. That's right. Uh, and we were on a Von Eric kick. Oh my gosh. That's right. We like, I still have some residue on me. And I think we got a little bit of residue in, in this week's episode, this month, <laughs> well, in this episode. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be dropping some Von Eric tributes to Carrie in a little bit. But um, my God, Paul, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, nice 2024 so far. and. Just uh, glad to be back in the saddle with you, partner. I'm excited to watch some great wrestling. Likewise, brother. I, I feel like um, the minute I hit stop on the last recording that we did, I already started thinking of matches for this this episode. Yeah. No, you have an uncanny ability to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just I went to sleep thinking about it. Well, I think I told you this. I go to sleep thinking about wrestling. Every sure. Day. Yeah. I literally do, and uh, I make up my own storylines in my mind, and my own I'm my own booker, you know, and, and I'm coming up with some wild stuff. It always takes me back to this era that we love so much, the territories, and this month, this episode is filled with high flyers, uh, badass dudes. Yeah, future world champion. Yes. Well, my mind. Um, I'm going to ring the bell so we can get into our first match. Ring that bell. Let's ring it. First match of the night is from 1985, March 28th of 1985, from Winnipeg, Canada, AWA. It's the High Flyers versus the Row Warriors. The High Flyers, of course, are Greg Gagne, who is the son of Vern Gagne, 
AWA patriarch, I guess you could say. Um, Jim Brunzel is, I think, mostly known for being in the Killer Bees with B. Brian Blair when he came to the WWF. Right. Uh, the Road Warriors, we'll get to them in a second. But the High Flyers, apparently they've been around since the 70s. They started working together since the 70s. Yeah, this was surprising to me. Yeah, because they mentioned, uh, was it eight and a half years um, in the yes. promo before the match? There's two promos, too, which I thought was kind of interesting. There's one with yeah. Greg Gagne by himself, and he's a he's a great promo. I totally agree. I really think so, because he speaks in his real voice. He's believable. Right. He is who he is. And the way he breaks it down... Uh, attacking it like a game plan, like you would going into a, a, a competition. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Right here on TSN, you want to talk about title matches? The High Flyers, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel against the Road Warriors. Greg, come on in if you would, please. You, it's a shot that I know you've been waiting for. You had a tough 1984. Now you got the Road Warriors. Uh, Jim and I are back together now. We have had an opportunity to wrestle the Road Warriors, so we proved to everybody throughout Canada and throughout the world that we could beat this team. And if it wouldn't have been for one man, Paul Ellering, Jim and I would be the World Tag Team Champions right now. So, Larry, we're t we've been training very, very hard for this match. We've got another week yet, and by next week, we're going to, uh, this next week, we're going to gear it up. And by the end of the week, we'll have that psych there, and we'll step in with these two men and hopefully take the titles away from them. It won't be any easy task. We know that. Nobody questions the ability of the high flyers. That would be ludicrous. But these are very big, powerful men. Any special strategy. Uh, stay away from their strength. Stay away from that upper body. They both have tremendous upper body strength. Uh, we've seen them beat a lot of opponents with that press slam that they use where they catch the man, press them over their head, and you're coming down from uh, about seven, eight feet in the air, and it knocks the wind out of, you, uh, out of you, and from there they come down with those elbows and knees and whatever. So uh, we'll stay away from them. We'll keep, even, uh, keep moving, try to make them wrestle our style match, and hopefully we can win this one. Keep an eye on thank Paul Ellering. Greg, thank you for being here. Next week, the High Flyers versus the Road Warriors on TS. In. Even when the second promo with Jim Brunzel, who who isn't as good a promo, but still good, but doesn't speak as uh, free flowing, and you know, I, I was just really impressed with with Greg Gagne's promo. Um, but there's that moment where he says, you know, and your biceps get tired, and you're not even going to be able to straighten them out. Like he was, he was just the way he was breaking it down was like such a science. And what he said. To cut you off, he said, "He said it's wrestling, it's not bodybuilding." Yes, they kept calling them bodybuilders, and I thought that was great too. Greg Gagne, how is the knee? Are you ready? Are you one hundred percent? We're ready for this one, Larry. We've been warming up, and in just a few minutes, we're stepping in the ring with people call the most devastating team of professional wrestling right. in the history of professional wrestling, the Road Warriors. Well, on the marquee, it still reads, "For the benefit of all those non-believers, professional wrestling." Wrestling is the name of the game. It's not weightlifting. The big muscles, they do help. The strength does help. But if you can only go 10 or 15 minutes with it, it doesn't help a whole heck of a lot. And that's our strategy tonight, to step in there and wear these two men down. We've been in with bodybuilders before, big men, strong men. Maybe not as strong as these two. But after 10 or 15 minutes, Larry, if we can dictate the style of the match, I'll tell you what, those muscles will get so tight they won't be able to straighten those arms out. And then they become a burden to those two people. And that's when we're going in for the kill. We're going in for one purpose, and that's to win the World's Heavyweight Championship, which we've held on two different occasions. Well, Jim and I were laid up this summer with injuries and surgery. 
We watched the Road Warriors capture the world's tag team championship. We watched Rick Martell win the world's heavyweight championship. Now that is eating us inside because it would have been our opportunity to go for those championships. We will not let this one slip by. And Paul Ellering, you keep your nose out of this one this time. Otherwise, the two of us are going to take it right off your face. That is the problem, the problem that shouldn't be. What are you going to do about Paul Ellering? How do you watch the Road Warriors and keep your eye on Paul Ellering? Well, we're... <laughs> To, if we're going to be successful, we're going to have to concentrate on the Road Warriors. We're going to have to let the referee and the commission that's going to be sitting there in the uh, championship committee watch Paul Ellering. You know, he comes out here and he says his men are gods. They might be good at what they've done in the past. Like Greg said, they're very, very strong. But the name of the game, like Greg said, is wrestling. Paul Ellering, keep your nose out of it. Let's see how good your big bodybuilders are when it comes to wrestling and tag team wrestling, something that Greg and I have done for eight and a half years and have been world tag team champions twice. We're going to make it a third time. Better believe it. Good luck to the High Flyers. That one is coming up. They're on their way to the arena to meet the Road Warriors. I was already impressed right off the bat, and I couldn't... I'd heard a Greg Gagne promo probably well in the past uh, from an AWA thing, uh, but it wasn't uh, it, not like this. Not like this. I was, I was super impressed. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, you know, the, it's an interesting thing that you that you bring up. I appreciate and I love the fact that you were impressed by his promo because uh, we're not talking about the current product. We don't do that on our show. We don't talk about what is in now. But back in the 80s, back in the 70s, Greg Gagne, even though he wasn't the biggest dude, he was an average-looking wrestler. There were other wrestlers that looked like him yeah. back in that time. And, you know, look at the Von Erichs. They're the sons of Fritz. He's the son of Vern. Vern put him in a big spot in the AWA, but he delivered. He's a really good wrestler, and he's a really good talker. I love how he kind of, he, he lays it on the, he basically, I, I agree with you, he lays it out like a like a football analyst, basically. Yes. Calling out all the things that had happened to him before that got him to this stage. And the High Flyers had been together for quite some time. Soon after this match ended, uh, Jim Brunzel would go to the WWF right. and join be Brian Blair and become part of the Killer Bees. So this is kind of their swan song, so to speak. You know, he had Greg Gagne specifically. He had a lot of feuds with big, big names, including Bruiser Brody. Yeah. And then he went on after this to join Sergeant Slaughter's group and become kind of like a military G.I. Joe type character. That's so funny. At some point, we're going to have to cover Slaughter in the AWA yes. because he had this G.I. Joe theme song, you know. Slaughter is great. Dare I say, this is kind of a David and Goliath type match with the Road Warriors. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was fantastic. And in no slight to anyone involved in this, but uh, no. when speaking of Greg Gagne in particular, I think the thing that I most enjoyed was you kind of touched on it briefly. He definitely looks like your everyman in a sense that, you know, he looks like he would be the principal or something at your high school. Yeah, totally. And I think that was one of the reasons that it, I really enjoyed his promo was because like, this is real. You know, he's not putting on yes. a voice. He's not talking about some nonsense that's way out of 
the the spectrum of believability it's you know he's not talking about having come from another dimension and you know he's just it's just so real and he's breaking it down like you know like a coach or analyst like you said and so it was one of those promo and then there's a part where he says uh and that's you know we're we're hoping to beat you guys tonight like it was just it was like it was like humble at the same time you know what i mean right um which say what you will about that, because some people will say, oh, well, you got to, you know, have that attitude. You know, you're going to win. Be like, we are going to beat you tonight, you know. But that's also just so cliche that yes. this made it so much more endearing just for him to say, like, and, I, and that's what we're hoping to do tonight. You know, like, we're going to just like such a like, we're going to give it our all. And we, we've got the game plan. We're confident. We're ready. Oh, let's get it all. You know, let's get going. Let's do it. You know, it's just like, yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, this is awesome. That's what I love about it because he, yeah, he's, they're, they're selling this idea because everyone knows who the Road Warriors are. Yeah. I think even non-wrestling fans know that the Road Warriors, one of the most dominant tag teams of all time, uh, one of the greatest, I don't know, we'll, maybe we'll do a debate show down the road, <laughs> but you know, they are legendary. They are truly legendary. And with precious Paul Ellery. Right. Who they put over really well in the promo to cut back on that. And that's okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but you yeah. know, he really emphasizes no, no. if you stick your nose in our business, you know, like they really emphasize that so much to the point that well, we'll get to it as the match starts. But I love that, you know, yeah, they're competing against the bodybuilders. Right. But they really need to keep an eye out because they had them beat. They really had to keep an eye out for that, that 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 snake on the outside, precious Paul. You know he sticks his nose in the, where it doesn't belong, and they both uh, talk on it. You know they both speak on it. Uh, him and Jim Brinzel. So I just yeah, awesome promo. Well, what I love about that uh, was the importance of the manager. Exactly. And Bodie watched this match with me, which he loved it by the way, uh, as well. And he said, "Does every heel have a manager?" And I said, "No." I said, not really. I said, but uh, a lot of them did. He goes, well, did, a, did a face ever have a manager? I said, yeah, sometimes, but it wasn't as popular. Uh, and he goes, he goes, it's probably good to be a bad guy and have a manager, right? I said, oh, yeah, it makes you even more mischievous, more devious, more, more advantages to get the upper mm -hmm. hand as a heel, right? And he's like, I would have a manager. I'm like, wait, what? You're not going to be a heel. <laughs> he's like, I, I would be a heel. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Anyways, so it's on T TSN, by the way, the yeah. Toronto Sports Network. And I think the AWA was doing a lot of shows up in Canada at the time, um, up in Winnipeg. And like you said, Greg Gagne cuts his first promo. It's like the week before the match. And he's wearing that cool AWA merch uh, shirt that has a list of all the wrestlers' names yeah. on it, you know, when they were starting to get in the merch game. Um, and then the next promo is right before they go out to the ring, basically. Right.
a combined weight of 565 pounds, accompanied by their manager, Precious Paul Ellering, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, and the Challengers, first of all, at 234 pounds, out of White Bear Lake, Minnesota, here's jumping Jim Brunzel. What was their theme song? I couldn't place that. To me, it didn't strike me as a babyface theme song. They came out to a cover version of Badlands, the the Bruce Springsteen song. Okay. Badlands! But the cover version, I'm like, I got to track down this cover version. If we ever get an opportunity to talk to Greg Gagne, we got to find out what cover version oh, they great. used. But of course, they come out to the ring to Badlands, and then the Real Warriors, Legion of Doom, come out to that pulsing doom. Doom, doom, right? Amazing. Iron Man. As, as Poison says, it doesn't get better than this. Um, <laughs> they they come out, and what I love about this is uh, Ken Resnick is the uh, ring announcer, but he also goes on to be the commentator as well with uh, Larry Nelson. Larry Nelson was the backstage interviewer, so they're both pulling double duty. Uh, Wally Carbo, who's kind of like the- He's like the commission? Uh, Jack Tunney. Okay, yeah. He's out there and he announces that Paul Ellering cannot be at ringside. He goes, Road Warriors, I told you I had something for you. And here it is. <laughs> Paul Ellering is not to be at ringside. Yeah, basically just ejects him and they throw he throws a fit. The delivery you just gave, that's pretty much how he says it too. It's very like, I you gotta uh you can't you're barred from uh it's pretty authoritative. You're, you're out of here. I think. Yeah, he's just <laughs> he goes it into it. And just starts saying it. And then, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you just said his name on the mic. Ken, Ken Resnick. Yeah, gets Ken on the Resnick. microphone so that everyone can hear it. And then there's the pop when they're like, what is he? What's going on? But it's funny because you can hear at several points, Animal be like, this is bullshit. Or so, you know, like, yeah. you know, I'm like, you know, and it just makes it so much more real. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, these guys are pissed. I love that. And Ellering throws a fit. He throws a fit, and I will point out one one thing really quick. When when the high flyers come out to the ring, it, it's not full babyface cheers. There's some booze, but when the row warriors, who are heels, come out, they get a tremendous pop. Right. I'm gonna praise the crowd for this because it's understandable. You know, we've never really seen anything like the row warriors before. The high flyers, they look like other tag teams that have come out during this time. But I'll get to my love of the crowd in a moment because I think what the crowd does is they truly appreciate the hard work by both teams. So the referee for this match is Joe Fiorino. Um, and the minute the match takes off, it is super fast-paced. I-, I want you to be the one to talk about it. But one thing that, that stood out to me initially in this match is the minute they they get into it, the Road Warriors kind of dominate at first, but then the High Flyers get a quick upper hand and they start hot tagging each other back and forth with some drop kicks. Oh, it was fantastic. Consistent moves. And yeah. the crowd appreciates that because the crowd goes nuts. The minute the high flyers start to take control, the crowd goes nuts. Absolutely. But I think that's because both of them, uh, obviously more Gagne than Brunzel, but 
they both look like guys that could be your friend's dad. You know, yeah. um, the coach. High school principal. Yeah, high school principal, you know. And so I think that's what really helped connect them as baby faces. But everything they did was just believable. And so. Yeah, it really was. Across the ring of these two bodybuilders, and it's the road warriors that jump them. Um, and then they end up taking them to opposite corners. And there's a shoot off and it's like, well, you're not going to reverse these big bodybuilders. So what do you do? So Brunzel, or I think it's Gagne dives down into a drop down and Brunzel yes. leaps over him and attacks him uh, or attacks animal, I believe. And, um, and so they start utilizing that teamwork. And that's what's so beautiful about this match is the teamwork that occurs, especially early on, because it's, it's rare uh, but it completely makes sense. But you have, I want to say Animal is the first one to get neutralized or yes. isolated. So then they start working his right. leg and they're doing a lot of quick tags in and out and everything looks just fluid. And and it's all focused on the leg. And, and it's not until, uh, I want to say Brunzel the first time. And then Gagne the second time, uh, because this continues, you know, eventually Brenzel, I believe, drops a couple elbows on the leg, which leaves him a bit exposed and he gets punched or something. And uh, Hawk gets away and makes the No, no, no. Actually, Brenzel's holding on to his leg. One of them's holding on to the leg and Hawk does the tag, almost like stretching out, reaching, but bouncing on one leg and then actually manages to make the tag. And then in comes Animal. Yeah, it's just, you know, and the drop on a leg and gets out of the way. Now they're working animal's leg and, you know, tags in and out on the same thing. And then, you know, Gagne gets uh, like a, uh, almost like an Indian death lock on the leg. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, that's what Larry Nelson called it. Yeah. And um, Owen Hart used to do that Which is a, a lot. Sick move, yeah, by it's the a way. great leg hold. I was actually just teaching that to one of my friends and students uh, a week ago. Is it still called an Indian death lock or is yeah. it called something else? Yeah, I, I don't know of any other name for it. Um, Owen Hart used to do it. That's where I learned it was for, through watching him. Okay. Um, but it's a great leg hold. And then you can stand up with it. And that's kind of what Gagne does here. He yeah. gets up to his knee with it. Owen would just sit back with it and then put his left leg on the opponent's other knee so they would apply pressure. Gagne gets up to his knees here. Uh, which you can do as well in a, a spreading of the the it sounds weird but you you put your hands on their knees and you spread them so it's like stretching their groin muscles you know it's like stretching the things out which is another move that I mean, him that and Brunzel do yeah they both do the leg the double leg pull where they uh, sometimes it's a wishbone but in yeah. this case they come over the top uh, I believe of animal. And it's pretty nice, but it's just so much beautiful teamwork. Like just, that's what I really loved about it. And they even mention it. They say, this is the trademark of the high flyers, the fluid, the, the quick tags in and out. And it wasn't until they stopped doing that, that it starts to turn around. Right. So what I love is that initially the baby faces, their shine, so to speak, them, you know, uh, is kind of them putting the heat on the road warriors. Um, I mean, Hawk even gets Gagne up in a nice uh, gorilla press slam early on. He does. Yeah. And Gagne takes an odd 
back bump. He kind of takes a back bump similar to Flair, where it looks like it's emphasized more on one side than the other. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but then soon enough, uh, there's a double heat throughout this match. They start the heat on Gagne, and Greg's fighting back, and he's he's selling extremely well. I mean, just believable. He's not dead selling. You know, he's he, he's fighting back. He's not just dead. Like he's he's fighting back. Right. He's keeping himself alive. Because I imagine the baby faces are more than likely uh, leading this match. Because uh, the Road Warriors were still, you know, they were newer, right? Yeah. I mean, the the High Flyers probably got a possible 10 years on them. Maybe not 10, but quite a few years more than, than yeah. the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, definitely the more experienced of the two. Um, right. And then there's a great little cat and mouse moment. I want to say with Hawk, where Gagne's in the corner, and I believe he puts up a booter, he, he moves or something and Hawk eats the corner and then he comes at him and Gagne bounces off the ropes and kind of nails him with a, a form to the chest. And then he's almost like going like he's going to go to the wrong corner or something. And then he, he just, he manages to spin around, uh, I think animal charging in and then he makes the hot tag and Brenzo comes in just, you know, fists of fury. And um, that starts unloading some drop kicks, and like you know, that's something that uh, they do extremely well, especially that double drop kick that you mentioned at the beginning. So nice, just really excites the crowd, and it makes sense, you know, because yeah, part of that game plan was we're going to stay away from their upper bodies. You know, they're so strong, their upper bodies, right? And they're taking it right to them by drop kicking them in the head, in the head, you know. So it's it's kind of like Mike Tyson's punch out, you know what I mean? We had to find the. <laughs> The hitting yeah, point, totally. the hitting point for the the, right. the the bad guy. So Brenzel comes in, uh, House of Fire, and then soon enough he gets stopped, and they're putting the heat on Brenzel, who's also selling extremely well, keeping himself alive. Brenzel finally is able to get away from the Warriors, and he tags Greg in, and Greg ends up applying the sleeper that's right he jumps on the back of hawk yes. and applies the sleeper and i kept thinking oh he's gonna get flipped off like flipped that's over what i thought too and it never happened but what it causes is is animal starts to come in the ring which causes brunzel to come in the ring joe fiorino the ref gets distracted yes moves over to brunzel and that allows Precious Paul. That's right. Ring, he comes back in. Get up on the second row. That's right. With his newspaper. It's the Wall Street Journal. Yes. That's for shoot because that's what he would read in the locker room for shoot. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. And he applies a double axe handle on um, Gagne and the ref sees it. Clearly, the ref calls for the, the bell. Bloodied up. Blood flowing from Greg Gagne. 
And I should point out, too, that this match was for the AWA World Tag Team Championships. The Real Warriors were the champions. Um, the High Flyers had lost to them previously. Due to the involvement of Precious Paul. Exactly. And here he is again. Uh, once again. So they banned him for no reason. Well, they keep, they, they keep beating them up after, right? I mean, they do they bloody one of them? I think they... Yeah, yeah Gagne gets bloodied. Right. Uh, he goes hard way and gets busted open, right? And Brunzel, at one point, Larry Resnick makes a comment. They're like, we don't even know where Brunzel is. Like, because I think he gets tossed out of the ring. Oh, right. And he's gone. Like, he's not. Yeah. He's, he doesn't get back in the ring. No, he, but you he get does the, at the end, right? Because all the baby faces spill in. Like, Kurt Hennig comes down. Larry the Axe comes down. Larry the like, Axe. Holy cow. There's that moment where Brunzel's in the corner. He's almost like the scared dog. That's Gagne. Oh, that is. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, that, that I thought was really good because it was like. That was great, He's man. so out of it. He's been, you know, he's, his head's spinning. He doesn't know who's a friend or foe. He doesn't know. He's just, yeah. Right. Gagne uh, sells like being delirious. Yeah. And, you know, the entire roster of faces come out, including Buck Zumoff. I'm like, <laughs> oh, Buck Zumoff. Guy's getting his five minutes of fame. Um, I don't think we'll necessarily cover a Bucks zoom off match on this show. We but might. You never yeah, know. know. Uh, we might. We might have to. Now Paul's like going. We're gonna. We're gonna do that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the Real Warriors uh dominate the High Flyers after the bells after the bell sounds until you know Kurt Henning. I'm exaggerating, the but yeah. it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's Kurt Henning clears the ring, but you've got like. You know, half a dozen faces out there yeah. to take on the war, the real warriors. Right. That finally, the real warriors leave at that point, uh, and then the the match is recapped. But one thing that stood out to me that you already pointed out was how hot and consistent the tags were with the high flyers, mm-hmm. and that's where they they were keeping the momentum going and looking so good. And it was, it wasn't until they stopped that momentum where they right. weren't tagging in every 30 seconds. Literally, it's like every 30 seconds they're tagging each other. Right. I grew up watching, you know, Midnight Express do that. And and just like, not every tag team can do that. But when you can do it so just pure, like, you know, motion, right? Yeah. It just looks so good. Really uh, is symbolic, I think, of a tag team because right. you, you've dri- driven up and down the roads together. You've You've talked about game plans. You've talked about uh, attacks that you can do together, ways that you can, you know, you should be there to help your partner, help push him out of the way of danger or pull him out of the way or, or make the save if he's almost beat, you know. And I mean, partners should be there for each other. And so that's why a tandem moves that are in sync, even if they aren't synchronized, but just in sync, for example, at the very beginning, you know, when they turned the, the tide by, Almost as if they knew, hey, if we end up getting thrown into each other, you take the dive and I'll jump over you, okay? Just if that happens to be the case, just so that we know you're the one going down and I'll hop over. It's like, you got it, man. Just right. if that happens to us, right. that's what we're doing. And that's what happened and it helped turn it around. And yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. We used a lot of quick tags when I tagged. And I mean, that was, I think, more so us having seen um, more Midnight Rockers than High Flyers. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example right there. 
Yeah, and you know, Rock and Roll Express and everything, but for me, it was definitely Midnight Rockers, who uh, also AWA, who we've also covered. Right. Uh, right. And so, uh, maybe on our first episode, I believe. It was our first yeah. episode. I, I believe it was. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was. Right. Which, we're, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, I think, in, in two months. Uh, uh, I love it. Yeah, just really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too, man. Like, I ha- I can't stress this enough for everyone who has not necessarily paid attention to the High Flyers or AWA product, the AWA territory. When you watch this match, and again, the matches are always, the links are in the show notes, you're going to be blown away because it is everything you want in a wrestling match. Hot crowd, great wrestling. You don't see quote unquote signature moves. What you see is four dudes who really know how to go. Yeah. And tell a story and tell a story with the entire match. So the match is, like I said, it's uh, about 12 minutes long. It unfortunately ends in a DQ, but the high flyers win, you know, but yeah. the real warriors retain their Moral titles. Victory. A classic heel, heel victory. That's right. That's right. I dug it. And you said this was in 85, 86, March of 1985. March. Yeah. Wow. Our episode right now, Territory Marks, it dropped the last week of February. Uh, little fun facts that I'll sprinkle throughout the end of this match and the end of the your match uh, will f- either be from February of the year that this match took place or March. Right. Just depends on what I found because I found some good stuff from March. Can I hit you with yeah, some fun facts? Please. And in a way, this is kind of a tease for 80s Kids Unite because- yeah. These are some of the things we'll bring up on 80s Kids Unite. It's our new uh, monthly show that drops on $2 Late Fees feed, Podcasting After Dark's feed. It's me. It's Paul. It's Dustin from $2 Late Fee, Corey from Podcasting After Dark, Diallo from TV Obscura. All of the shows that if you are not familiar with, you should definitely check out. We are the Night Boys. That's right. (laughs) We, We feature... Great. We basically will take one thing from the 80s and have a freeform discussion about it. And the cool part of this is it's our listeners and fans from Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash $2 late fee or patreon.com slash podcasting after dark, you can sign up and suggest questions or topics for us to discuss on 80s Kids Unite. Uh, The first two episodes we recorded not that long ago, Paul was unable to do that because he was at his kayfabe academy. right. Teaching the prospective youth. But he will be back on the show uh, for our next episode. Okay, three quick facts from 1985. March of 1985, when this match happened. March 4th, the TV show Robotech premiered in the United States. Yeah. How about that? Robotech. Tell me about Robotech. Pretend I'm foreign. I'm like, what is Robotech? Rick Hunter was uh, was the main star of the show. Lynn Midmay. Their jets would convert into like robots, basically, and they would take on these aliens from outer space. And the ro and the jet uh, later became a the the robot version of the jet later became like a transformer 
Um, there was a transformer that looked exactly like it. I think called Jetfire. Anyways, Robotech was amazing. Uh, maybe I didn't see it. <laughs> I was too busy watching cops. <laughs> the cartoon cops. Yeah, the cartoon. Yeah, cops fighting crime in a future time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, then let me ask you about this then, because in March of uh, that same year, March 21st, a TV show premiered called Wildside. Are you familiar with the TV show Wildside? Oh, wow. I don't believe so. All right. Well, this this American series would only last for six episodes. Wait, it was, was this on the one ABC. with Crispin Glover? No. No. Wildside starred William Smith. Do you know William Smith? No. He was in uh, Every Which Way But Loose. Kind of a gruff voice. He was in Eye of the Tiger with Gary Busey. I'm sure I've seen him. He was him. in the first Andy Sidaris movie called Seven. No, God, I really, we got to cover some Sidaris. We do. This TV show also featured Meg Ryan and the one and only Terry Funk. Oh, wait a minute. Terry Funk played Prometheus Jones. He was <laughs> the town veterinarian. It was basically a Western version of the A-Team. Have you seen any of the Wild Side episodes? Have you watched any of them? No. I didn't even know about it until I yeah. was looking up facts. Dude, it sounds Wild amazing. Side. Six episodes. Prometheus Jones. How can you go what wrong with that? What a great name. That? Yeah. I know. He was the town veterinarian. Town, I believe it. I bet it was a shoot. Probably. Well, I can take care of your horses. I can help you out a little bit. I boxed a cheetah. <laughs> we might have to cover Wild Side on... 80s Kids Unite, or perhaps TV Obscura. I know how we can cover Sedaris on here. We just have to find a, a Marcus Alexander Bagwell oh, gosh. match from the territories. <laughs> I don't know if I can go there. He was the handsome stranger. He was the handsome stranger. I'm going to go take us back to February because I said we'd cover some sure. fun facts in February, March. February of 85, one of the greatest soundtracks from a sports movie came out in February of 85. Vision Quest. Yes, Vision Quest. Yeah, Kurt Angle. Lunatic Fringe, right? He had that generic Lunatic Fringe cover at TNA. TNA. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember the name of of the band that performed Lunatic Fringe? Wolf Daddy. Red Rider. That was close. Damn it. (laughs) Wolf Wolf Daddy. Um, (laughs) The soundtrack featured Journey, obviously, Only the Young, Uh, John Waite. Madonna, of course, she had her. She had two songs on there, but of course, "Crazy for You" was the big one. That's right. Um, Don Henley, Dio, uh, Sammy Hagar, great song. Till I fall in love again, but not as song. good as when I text it out. Lose that text the phone. Lose that text the phone. Right, foreigners on the soundtrack, but uh, Journey, of course, only the young, only the young can say. Yeah, that song is so good, dude. I know, but when I think of that movie, it's lunatic fringe all the way. All right, then at the end of this episode, stay stay for the end of this episode because uh, <laughs> lunatic fringe will play us Seriously, out. Seriously, not the TNA. Yeah, that is a version. great song. It really is, and it's super hype. It's like it makes it sense that Angle picked it. You know? Yeah. Did that song, was that song on Miami Vice? Miami Must have been at some point. I feel like it was. Must have been. They spent 10 grand per episode of just on music. Yeah, Vision Quest will definitely come up on $2 Late Feed. Dustin and I both love, we've talked about it before, but I think we'll cover that. It's a great properly. training movie. Yeah, maybe we'll have you, know. you on to do uh, an I'll episode. Bring, I'll, I'll wear a sweatsuit, my sauna suit. 
Um, but yeah, that's 1985. That's 1985 in a nutshell. The High Flyers and the Row Warriors. That's match number one. What a what a great way to kick off this episode. I dig it. What do you say we get into match number two? Yeah, let's do it. As I mentioned, I had some barnetic residue left on me, and I thought, you know what? what? And then I thought, well, what is this match? And we we had stumbled upon collectively this. Carrie Von Eric versus Sid. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious, because he's vicious. It's the premiere of that name, though. It is. Yeah, you're right. And this is the Sportatorium. At first, I was not sure. There was an angle where they were shooting it. And it's kind of, you know, and this is from, what, 88? This is from 88. I don't know the exact month. Um, and s- I didn't track that down. But it, the houses didn't look as hot here. No. Right. I mean, that's the the company has experienced two tragedies by this point in losing David and then Mike, I believe. Yes. Because right? Chris passed in 91. Right. Yeah. And Carrie passed in 93. That's right. Um, so we have a future WWF Intercontinental Champion and we have a future WWF World Champion. Right. Uh, in this match. And I just thought it was really interesting. The thing that stood out to me right off the bat, and we have the uh, ever so gruff Bronco Lubich uh, as the referee. Yeah. Can I, can I shout out some of the, some of the people really quick? Absolutely. So you've got Bronco Lubich as the ref. You've got Mark Lawrence. Yes. Future guest on our show, by the way. Oh. In person, in studio. Oh. Uh, stay tuned for that. That's going to come up in a couple months. So it's Mark Lawrence and Frank Dusick on commentary. I wanted to point out, too, that Sid Vicious was representing CWA, and CWA got bought out by Jerry Jarrett. And okay. Jerry Jarrett, I think at this point, had taken control of World Class. And World Class was about to make the shift to the WCWA. Yeah. And it was Akbar that brought in Sid Vicious, wasn't it? Skandor Akbar. Yeah. So Skandor Ooh. Akbar makes an appearance as well. Akbar was uh, still a manager when I worked for a company that doesn't exist anymore in Arlington um, called PCW. And Skandar Akbar was backstage. He was part of the company. Is you know not he wasn't there all the time, but he was there quite often. And you know you could always tell he was nearby because his voice. That voice is part of Devastation Incorporated. Oh, right? he was great. He was great. And he's such a great like he's such a cool guy. He was you know not standoffish at all. That was really cool to to interact with him. Um, he just he has a lot of gravitas, and so he really does. I mean, we're gonna we have to cover Devastation Incorporated at some point. Yeah, um, I'm down. Of, and what a great heel faction name! By the yeah, way. it really is. And the way that he would say it was menacing. Yeah, um, that's so cool. So he's at ringside. Uh, it sounded like Fritz was on commentary at one point, but I could, it was Frank Dusick. It was okay. That's who, okay. It is. They sound very similar. They do. Yeah, Frank Dusick. I am not as familiar with him, obviously, on on commentary with World Class as I was with Mark Lawrence. And but it's it's interesting to have two commentators for World Class. Yeah, you know, because typically we didn't have that. We had 
Mark Lawrence, and then of course Bill Mercer. Right. And David Manning's not the ref. It's it's Bronco Lubich, old school right. Bronco Lubich. That's right. Um, and but man, Kerry looks. And I mean, both these guys are in insane condition Dude. in this match, uh, which leads to some funny commentary in a moment. But um, <laughs> yeah, what really stood? I mean, <laughs> Sid takes it to Kerry. I mean, let's be honest, it's not a long match. It's maybe six and a half minutes long. Um, no, and the match uh, that we have the link to is there's no ring introductions. They basically are already in the ring. Uh, Carrie's already in the ring when this right. oh, that's right. match starts. He's wrestled heavier men, but very, very rarely has the modern-day warrior had to wrestle a man as powerful or as powerfully built as this Sid Vicious. And this Sid Vicious is no doubt the most impressive of his kind in wrestling today. Sid's dominating a lot of it early on um but one thing that really stood out to me and that's why i was curious about the date when i found it was he's jumpy at the beginning like he's he yes. looks like he's moving around really well and i thought is this before but then i thought he looks really sh he looks like extra lean and kind of shredded I thought really does i mean this is like some of the best conditioning i've ever seen him i thought is this before his foot thing you know and and then as I, because he was just moving around so well. And then as was Sid, you know, this is obviously Sid pre, you know, tons of injuries and that horrific uh, leg break that he suffered at WCW. Um, and so both these guys, you know, look great. And I'm sitting here questioning whether this is before Kerry's motorcycle accident or not. Uh, but then I right. then I'm able to kind of start to see that he does have the gimmick boot on, which makes it even more impressive because again you just you you just couldn't tell. Um, he was just moving no. around so well, you know. And I've read and I've seen and listened to interviews where guys that roomed with them, like Shane Douglas in particular, uh, when they were at WWF together, would talk about how Carrie, you know, was very uh protective of that secret and he wasn't open to just about anybody like he would literally um they would drive to the building and he would already be in his boot and he would already be in his gear for the most part yeah and, or he would change in a different locker room and be in his gear all day and but anyways but but when they were in the hotel room he saw it one time Shinda was saw it, and then like Carrie was able to kind of be more open with him. And he said like every single step he took was excruciatingly painful. And that was just oh, all God. the time. So you think about it and you're like, like Dude. He, he can't even take a step without it just being murderous. And so, and it's not to make excuses for him uh, becoming an addict. No, but it, you can't help it see why it makes sense it makes complete sense and so that you know bringing it back to this match you wouldn't know you would never no. know no no because he looks incredible most people lose a foot they're going to become obese and they're going to stay on their couch and they're never going to leave their home and right. they're just going to become like the mom and what's eating gilbert grape um <laughs> and uh but it was almost as though it motivated Kerry to get in the best shape of his life. He looked like a Grecian god. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he looks just it's some of the best I've ever seen him. But Sid's really taking it to him, man. Like 
I, I kept thinking, is he going into business for himself or, you know? Right. But then I, there's a, there is a moment when I can see them communicating and I'm like, okay, like Terry knows the deal here. Like he knows he's here to help build this, this new threat, you know, cause the house is obviously down. Yeah. Uh, the crowds, uh, it's weird. It almost looks like the, the, the crowd is darkened out a little bit. Right. And that's why I wasn't sure. I was like, is this the sportatorium? I couldn't really tell at first. And I thought, is this a different? No, there's the there's the there's the banner, there's the logo. And then there's a point in the match when they battle outside. And I think, you know, throws Carrie outside the door of the sportatorium, and then they fight right back in. That's leading right. towards the end of the match, but um you, do you want to mention the the comment that I think that you you brought up that it was really funny? But I would happily do that. But yeah, I really wanted to point out uh, quickly too that that uh, Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious <laughs> is like at least a foot taller than Carrie Von Eric. Yeah, uh, he towers over Carrie, and and Sid is a gargantuan man, and <laughs> Frank Dusick like they're kind of pushing each other. There, there's not a lot of moves in this match, but it doesn't matter. Um, but, right. but, but it causes Frank Dusick to, uh, during the commentary, Mark Lawrence is talking about the, the battle they're having. And then Frank Dusick says, can you imagine how many millions and millions and millions? That's 3 millions, by the way, of pounds of iron has been pumped between these two. Okay. You want to talk about steroids. You talk about all the different drugs and everything. But you do not make a body like Carrie Von Eric. You do not have a body like Sid Vicious unless you're in the gym. I'm not talking about an hour a day. I'm talking about four hours a day or years. These two men do not know the meaning of quit. You can tell by looking at their bodies. They are used to pain for gain, Mark. Yeah, pain and game. Did he mean four hours a year? I don't get it. Yeah, he's like f- like four hours a day. For years, I think. Probably okay, for years. That's what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Probably for years. Four <laughs> hours a day for years. Yeah, like it, it is it is just such a hilarious soundbite because they clearly are on the juice, you know? They, yeah. But at I least think, Sid was. Yeah, I mean Come on. I don't know what the I mean, come on, at least come on, of course. Dude. But whether what were the regulations <laughs> back then? You know, I don't know that the regulations were as frowned upon. We brought this up before, I think, when we were talking about the UWF when um, Bruno San Martino, you know, came in. It's right. like there's not going to be any drugs and the whole deal, except Herb Abrams, Colombian. Right. You got uh, Roddy Piper. Uh, you know, they live had come out in what '88 as well. Yeah. And he he was on the stand. I think soon after that movie testifying. Mm-hmm. Um. So this was right when steroids were very much in the top of people's. Uh, radar yeah so clearly you got people talking about it you know you flash back to our previous match our earlier match with you know greg Gagne and jim brunzel and uh the road warriors animal and hawk i don't know about road warrior i don't know i'm not gonna talk about hawk and animal but i will say the high flyers clearly those guys weren't you know if, no I, I highly doubt they were juicing you no, know if anything brunzel maybe dabbled to get bigger but, I but not Gagne. It. no i doubt it i doubt it but I mean, look, it, it is a funny comment to make in the match because it kind of takes you out of the moment when they're wrestling. <laughs> I know. They're like, 
It's a it very does. interesting comment to make. Yeah, I mean, just kind of going back to the match, unless there's more you want to mention on the Americana, no, everyone's jacked superhero. Um, <laughs> oh, I did want to point out too really quick how in the beginning of the match, right before it, when it starts, Kerry checks his arm. Did you notice? He checked his bicep. And this is after his match with Jerry Lawler. Oh, wow. Interesting. Bicep cut. Yeah. Interesting. So. I didn't notice that. I'll have to go back and take a look. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I thought, one of the things that really stood out to me in this match is that there's a, there's a moment where Sid goes for a punch and Kerry blocks it, and then Kerry goes for a punch and Sid blocks it. But this was the only time I think I've ever seen the discus punch blocked. They call that out? Yeah, I've never, I just, I, I'd never seen that before. And then as the match nears the finish, um, Harry goes for the Iron Claw. He goes for the Iron Claw. Sid's obviously big. He's strong. He's blocking it. He's trying to hold it off. And then um, Akbar tries to interfere. And Harry gets dumped outside and lands kind of on his feet. And at first, I'm like, yeah. is he going to no sell this? Because uh, then he, like, Akbar is in prox, like, in, in range. So it turns Carrie's attration to him. And it makes, you know, so Carrie almost starts to go approach him. And then Sid comes off the apron right into the Iron Claw. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. He, like, he, so cool. he snatches it in midair, basically, right as Sid uh, lands on the ground outside. Um, and I thought that was awesome. But that's when they go and they battle out outside the Sportatorium. When they come back in, I believe it's a double count out. It is a double count out. Kerry tries to make his way back to the ring, but it's, right. it's to no avail. And right. The bell has already been sounded. That's right. The bell has already sounded at that point. They're heading towards the exits, Mark. This thing's going out the door. But Eric rammed into the door, Mark. Rammed into that door by Sid Fisher. Rocco Lovitz is sicker with the bell to sound. He may have cut no, him out. No, hit the door. Hit the door. The modern day warrior racing back into the ring. He thinks the match isn't over. He's trying to beat the count. Here comes Sid Vicious, dead on his heels. Dead on his heels. But General Iskandor Akbar has pulled him back. Frank, we've got a lot to look forward to, in my opinion, in this situation coming up. Frank going to get the decision from Bronco Lubitsch to announce it to the crowd. Referee Bronco Lubitsch counted both men out of the ring. The modern-day warrior, Kerry Monarch, Sid Vicious, both cut it out of the ring. Bronco Lubitsch says the match, no decision. We'll be back for more. Short, sweet little match. Nobody's hurt uh, in this match by the outcome of it. I mean, it's not the greatest match you're ever going to see, you know, but it it's a great way to look at Sid before he really blew up. And it's an interesting time to look at Kerry when I think there's a part of him that felt like he really needed to carry the entire company. You know, yeah. um, right. And so that that could explain also why he he looks at just even I, I've i never seen Kerry Von Eric not in great shape, but for some reason, he just looked extra lean and 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 defined here. He looks so. like Zac Efron in the Iron Claw. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. From the from the from the neck down. 
from the neck down. I, I thought you were going to point out too that kip up from um, Sid from Sid Vicious. Yeah. So so Sid Vicious gets knocked down by Carrie Von Eric, and then Carrie Von, and then right after Carrie knocks him down, Sid kips up. And if you're not familiar with a kip up, what what is a kip up, Paul? Well, it's basically if you're laying on your back and you raise your knees up kind of to your chest a little bit and using i i could never do it without my hands i always had to use my hands but sid does it without hands here which is impressive as well but you're basically using your back and you're snapping up to your legs using the momentum amazing um, of your whole body so you bring your knees up to your chest and then you snap straight so that it pops you back up to your feet and so i would always put my hands kind of back behind next to my ears and curl them back and then allow me to do that i mean sean michaels i became a part of his comeback i think he did it a little bit as the i mean they both used to do it as the midnight rockers when they would do the you know the double back elbow the double back elbow drop and then the double nip up and then they would do it going to something else right um but yeah, Marty Jannetty, I believe they they did it together as the Rockers when they came to the WWF as well. It was right, right, right. Um, That's the first see, time I think I saw it. Yeah, I mean, but to see a guy like Sid do it, um, just like nothing, it it makes me wonder when he stopped doing that, and if somebody got in his ear and was like, "You don't need to do that." I don't know why they would say that, or if it was an injury or something, because. It seems like something he should have kept doing. I think I feel like he did it when he came into the uh, NWA as the skyscrapers, right? Um, okay, because he he would go into the NWA slash WCW soon after this. After he wrapped up with the CWA, he actually had an angle with uh, Shane Douglas. By the way, back in That's the day, funny. Uh, <laughs> I believe and, it. and no, he he had. A year after this, he would go into the NWA as the skyscrapers. And I believe he did that move. Uh, we'll have to go back and check. Yeah. I mean, Carrie's what attracted me to this match because I was always a huge Carrie fan. That's why I wore tassels when I when I had tassels on my um on my look back when I had the Cruiserweight Championship. So he was always just a massive inspiration to me. So to me, Carrie can do no wrong. This is a perfect example of that because you're right. This match is not like a classic by any means, but it is it is brilliant in its storytelling. Yeah. Because when these two stand toe to toe, you're like, oh, damn. Right. Carrie does look chiseled, but then you're like, but Sid is so big. Right. How is he going to beat this guy? And that's one of the things that just makes it so, like you said, it's it's really interesting and, and a different story told um especially on carry standpoint because he's usually so dominant and now you know he's against this another similar david and goliath type situation like yeah prior match and again just thinking back like if you've never seen the discus slash tornado punch uh countered or blocked here you go if you if you thought sid was was only psycho sid and couldn't do a whole lot Check this out. It's not gonna make you think Sid is a great worker by any means. I mean, he's he was always a solid, if not uh, exceptional big man. He was great in different ways. 
Do you know what I mean? But he wasn't someone who's like, I'm yeah. going to study some Sid matches. Um, right. There are matches of his to study. Absolutely. You know, but like, like this one, as I, I was attracted to it. Um, I was at uh, the Royal Rumble in 97 when I saw him and Sean at the Alamo Dome. Okay. Um, when Sean won the championship back from Sid. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, Steve Austin. I will say the first time I saw Sid in the ring was as the skyscrapers. And it might have been like Capital Combat. I forget what pay-per-view it was. But I just remember the crowd wanting to see Sid so bad. And then when he got tagged in, the crowd went nuts for Sid. And he couldn't work that night he wasn't working that night he like threw a punch it was terrible it was for me if that's how you define your career he gets an f <laughs> because it was so it was really bad was and the crowd started gear? booing him what was their uh, like chaps right with black black okay. trunks because i um, in yeah. a black vest i was such a kurt hennig mr perfect fan right that um I want to say this is before the series came out that had the Mr. Perfect action figure, but I bought a Sid Vicious WCW figure when he had the black singlet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because that was, because that was the closest I could get to a Mr. Perfect action. Yeah. Figure. He had the weird, po- are you talking about the, um, yeah, they didn't move. The yeah. They're just kind of rubber yeah, the glue figures. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. I bought that and I would just be like, you're Mr. Perfect now, <laughs> even though it didn't have the, the color triangle gimmick on the back. Yeah, which I love. It was just a black. Yeah, me too. Uh, it was his green and blue uh, and the yellow. Oh, don't get me started. No, no. So, now, that's when he was in the Horseman, I think, at that point. It was like 90 or 91 when. Um, when. But I did buy a Sid, a Sid figure once, and it was for that reason. Me too. I still might have that. I still might have my Sid figure. <laughs> I might too. Seriously. <laughs> that's hilarious. I might somewhere. It's like indestructible. Speaking of toys, by the way, uh, and I and I meant to mention this in the onset, Greg Gagne uh, is connected with Powertown Figures. Powertown is this like independent toy company that's putting out a line of Remco figures based on the Remco so uh, cool. wrestlers of the eighties. And th- I don't know what th- their initial lineup is like: the Missing Link, Tito Santana, Nick Bockwinkle, Magnum TA, and Tully Blanchard from their famous I Quit match. And Rock and Roll Express, Bobo Brazil, uh, and I believe one more. I'm not trying to remember. Anyways, they look amazing. It made me get excited and geeked about buying toys again, wrestling toys. Nice. I might have to go back and get some more figures if those come out and they're reasonably priced. And the other side of that is uh, A24 released a Zac Efron, Kevin Von Erich figure, and it is very disturbing looking. Really? But if y'all no want way. a Kevin Von Erich that looks like Zach Efron, it looks just like him. So that looks like Lord Farquhar. <laughs> yeah, have fun with recreating High School Musical Part Two. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I got a few fact. I got a couple facts from uh, February, yeah, March 88. of '88. Yep, and I think you'll appreciate Bring these. It. The first one is Count Dracula premiered in February of '88. Do you remember the cartoon I Count, Dracula? Count Dracula? Yeah, I was a big Darkwing Duck fan. So Count Dracula was right up my alley. Castle Dracula, 
home for many centuries to a dreadful dynasty of vicious vampire ducks, the Counts of Duckula. Legend has it that these foul beings can be destroyed by a stake through the heart or exposure to sunlight. This does not suffice, however, for they may be brought back to life by means of a secret rite that can be performed once a century when the moon is in the eighth that house of Aquarius. Blood. Are you getting? The latest reincarnation did not run according to plan. In the heart of Transylvania, in the Vampire Hall of Fame, yeah, there's not a vampire thing I think it originally was based off of Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse had come out, uh, and then Count Duckula was by the same company that did Danger Mouse and like that style, right? Um, yeah, I love that cartoon though. Great theme song, also. Uh, February of '88, February 5th, Andre the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event after a quick one-two-three to win the WWF World Heavyweight title and set up the eventual WrestleMania 4 with the title tournament because Hogan kicked out at, after the one. Andre gave him like a horrible toss, but that they called it a suplex and went to pin Hogan. Hogan gets his arm up after the one count, but Dave Hebner, who's looking right at Hogan, continues to count two and three. Andre spins a hoster around. Suplex right on top of him. He's on it. One. We get a two. That's it. Put it on him. He got him. He got him. No, he didn't. The referee counted three. We've got a new world champion. No, we don't either. I told it, McMahon. I told you. I told the world that the Giant would win it. No, sir. That can't be. again, McMahon. Never, ever again. Dave Hebner, the referee, is outside. He has the championship belt, I believe, in his hands. Hoekster's looking down at him. He can't believe it. He's saying it was only two. He's, he can't be giving the title to Andre. He can't be. Hebner counted three. In wrestling, you don't go by instant replays. This ain't football. It's the referee's Claiming decision. It. I can't believe what a stupid mistake that was. I was just... Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this bout, no, and new World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, Andre the Giant. That can't be. There he is, the new world heavyweight champion. That was, I think, the first time Hogan had been pinned in, I don't know how long. Pretty monumental moment. It is a monumental moment. I remember much of her, yeah. It was a monumental moment for wrestling. However, you watch that match after what we just watched, our two matches that we, yeah, you know, and you just look at that quality and you look at the quality and you're like, okay, most mainstream fans saw that because it was on national t TV, you know, NBC, and they go, that's what wrestling is? Oh, come on. 
But then you yeah. show them these two matches and you go, oh, that's what wrestling is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, AWA had such a hot, uh, loyal fan base too. You know I mean? You think of Dude. all the stars that they produced and that they saw come through there and then go on to the ranks to be big. You know. um, it's just, right. you know, they they really had something special. They did. They did. So, you know, this this obviously was a big deal. Uh, I remember yelling at my TV because, <laughs> you know, I see Hogan get screwed over and the rest is history, folks. Um, the last fun fact I want to pull from 1988 kind of is a tease, perhaps. And I'm going to pitch this to you now uh, for next month's episode, because February of 88 was the year of the dragon in the Zodiac calendar. Ooh. So uh, year of the dragon, 1988. Next month will be March. On $2 Late Fee, we devote the entire March of to martial art movies. We call Martial Art Madness. Yeah. We're covering The Last Dragon. We got an interview with Johnny Yu, a.k.a. Glenn Eaton from The Last Dragon. Uh, 80s Kids Unite will be a martial art-themed episode. Excellent. Uh, I'm wondering if you're down to do a Year of the Dragon tribute to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for Martial Art Madness. Pick a match from Ricky's story. I would love career. to. I would love to. Ricky was right. one of my favorite people. And I have a I have a Polaroid somewhere of me in the locker room with my cruiserweight championship the day I dropped it uh for for speaking my opinions. But the person who took that photo is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And really? yeah, and it was he he was my agent for most of my matches and we became good friends and he was just very, very helpful and inspiring to me in so many ways uh, that I'm, I, I'm just forever in debt to him for the knowledge that he shared with me and just the time and generosity that he um, always had for me. Uh, but I remember he said, you're going to, he said, do you have any pictures like of your own with the belt? I was like, I was pissed off. I'm like, no, fuck yeah. You know, He's like, you're gonna want a picture with the belt. So here, I'll take it. Yeah, it was with all those wind up cameras, those disposable cameras. And he he just yeah. he took some pictures uh, of me with the cruiserweight title right before uh, I went to drop it. And uh, I just think it's always funny. I look at that picture every now and then. If I stumble upon, I'm like. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat took that. Like that's so cool. To, wow, it's so cool to me, you know, because he was just so cool. Uh, that is so cool, man. That is really, yeah. really cool. I love that. I would I love, love to. That. And, yeah, okay, I would love so to. Th- so you heard it here. Next month, Martial Art Madness on two dollar late fee and territory marks. We will be covering and eighties kids unite. We will be covering Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. We'll we'll each pick a match from his storied career. I'll pick the promo too with his voice when he went to the doc, the speech therapist. <laughs> oh God! Whatever. We have to play that. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's a little tease for next month's episode. Um, but Paul, I'm so happy to be back in the saddle with you. I want to also shout out the fact that you know we talked about um, taken taken by force. Taken by Force. We talked about that last month. Yeah. And uh, we have those t-shirts available on the Territory Marks website. So if you go to TerritoryMarks.com, uh, it'll direct you to our $2 late fee page. There's a merch uh, section. Click on that. Direct links to 
the Taken by Force from Territory Marks t-shirt. There's a bunch of other Territory Mark t-shirts there. We're going to have a whole lot of other fun merchandise coming out soon. That's right. Uh, koozies and whatnot. It's We're going to be doing it up. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. And we've got an upcoming in-studio guest we're going to be recording with. Uh, we Just go to our Instagram yes. for all yes. the updates. Yes, check out the Instagram. You'll see what's happening in the territories. If you want to be a part of our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash $2 late fee and uh, help support the shows, help support us, blah, 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 blah. If you already have or if you've already written a review, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know who you are. And... Um, Paul, I'm glad that we're back in the saddle with this and doing it, man. Same here. No, I'm excited. Lots of cool things happening. Uh, lots of neat things on the way. I was thinking, you know, I'll be in um, I'll be in Philadelphia at the beginning of April for uh, WrestleMania week. Uh, I'll be doing matches uh, throughout that whole week uh, at WrestleCon and doing those conventions oh, yeah. and whatnot. And so we'll have an opportunity to. Do some live streaming through the Territory of Marks uh, Instagram page. Right. Stay tuned for that. You know, we'll go live. Plenty of uh, fun territories to explore in 2024. Going down this nostalgic trip with you always brings so much joy to my life and reminds me that nostalgia can really... You know, turn a frown upside down and uh, make your back crack and your liver quiver and all that good stuff. <laughs> I don't know. So many things I thought you I, were There's so say. many things I probably could have said that would have gotten me canceled. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah, I just reminded of Damone from Fast Time to Ridgemont High. Uh, it's all about the attitude, rat. Doesn't matter whether she comes, stays, lays a praise. It's all about the attitude. That's right. I feel like he was related. I feel like Razzo Rizzo was his uncle. Probably. Razzo Rizzo. That had to be his uncle, right? The character. Yeah, had to be. And I and I'll, I'll to this day I'll always remember that line that he gives Rat. He goes, "Wherever you are, that's the place to be." And with us, it's in the territories. It's in the territories. It's the place to be. We're always uh, happy to have newcomers, and we're always happy to have our regulars listening. We're very grateful for y'all. And um, the ride's just getting faster and faster. That lunatic fringe is kicking in. That's right, that lunatic fringe. Stay on the fringe. Thanks again for listening to Territory Marks. If you like what you hear, then consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. While you're at it, head on over to our Patreon, too. The link is in our show notes. And if you want more 80s nostalgia, go check out my tag partner, Zach, and our Terry Bam Bam of Ballyhoo, Dustin, over at $2LateFee.com, where the faces always win, even in the territories. 
Listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 